The following program is intended for mature audiences. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. One constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Been a lot of complaints already. Bad language, smoking grass. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. The beauty of a podcast is that after one and nobody likes it, nobody can tell you to stop doing it. That's true. (laughs) So at least we've got that going for us, which is nice. Which is nice. Absolutely. Still in search of a name. You've come up with a couple, but we're always open to suggestions. We think we'll, what, give this a couple weeks? Yeah. Well, you know. Before we settle on a name? Maybe this week, uh, maybe we can throw... Throw a poll up on Twitter or Facebook or something. Open and suggestions. Get for a couple of couple names we'll throw out there and see if anybody likes them. Hey, we're on multiple platforms. I like it. I like this service that we're on. Yeah. So we've gotten some people that have said they've listened. I don't think they've said whether they've liked it. <laughs> Just that they've listened. Yeah, I, the feedback's been pretty good from what I've heard, which is encouraging, but, you know... We haven't offended anybody yet, but just Not get, yet, give but us it's, time. It's early. Give and us time. You, you were you were kind of disappointed you didn't drop a bomb in the first one, but hoping to rectify that for edition number 2.0. Shit, yeah. If you <laughs> Perfect. Boom. Good night, everybody. Bang, <laughs> that's, biscuit. That's done. That's done. Well, that's this is cool. I mean, it's just two dudes talking about stuff and it and again, we said last week, it always seems to kind of ramp up with football. I mean, you've got baseball trades being completed. You've got wild card, postseason divisional races. Um, it's getting pretty tight. Kind yeah. of one of those where you put the finger under the collar and just go, kind of with the Brewers and stuff. Well, real tight in the National League. Yeah. And uh, what looked like was going to be a runaway for everybody in the American League all of a sudden with, the, uh, with Oakland getting hot. They tightened up the AL West, but... Yeah, the crew, uh, you know, they're kind of making it difficult on themselves, which they're known to do the last uh, several years. This has kind of unfortunately been a little bit of a pattern. but See, and that's, I'm glad you brought that up because I saw a tweet from a Milwaukee sports radio guy, and he said, what happened last year and the years before and the collapse or whatever you want to call it, it has nothing to do with this year's team. When you get a little bit of repetitiveness, I don't know what you can attribute that to, but... It's like you get to this same point and you see some similarities. I don't know. Can you help but get a bad feeling in the pit of your stomach? Like, here we go again. Whether it has to do with last year's team or this year's team, for some reason, there's, I don't know. I mean, as a fan, are you just not that confident because this just seems to be a thing? Well, my my confidence hasn't changed much because my expectations weren't you know, my expectations for this team going into the season was that I kind of thought they would be about where they are, fighting it out with three, four, five teams for that second wild card. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, to go back to the, well, you can't judge this year's team on past performance, like, I get that argument, but if that's the case, then don't ever tell me a stat again about this team hasn't won in this stadium since 1990. Remember, remember back when we were kids, I think Tampa Bay hadn't won a game under like 40 degrees yes. like in their entire history yep. up through yeah. like the first 30 years. Uh-huh. Well, 
Yeah, the team in 1999, that didn't really matter what happened in 1979, but it's just, you know, it's a trend. With the organization itself. There's some weird vibe, culture, whatever that kind of surrounds it that just kind of, you know, it keeps repeating itself. And that's that's why I can't get into this postseason race and watch the watch the the games ahead or games back and just kind of not be confident. Because sooner or later when it, it happens more than once and it forms a pattern and there's a little consistency, I don't know what else you want us to expect well, here, out of that. Here's Here's my uh, my sports psychologist. Oh, hold on. Uh, Do we have a couch in here? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> my uh-huh. my amateur sports Lay psychologist, in, and I'm and I'm talking to you here. <laughs> I think one of the problems that you and a lot of people have. Oh, I have a lot. You do, and I noticed this on t- when I was listening to the game this afternoon uh, in the midst of work and uh, reading some Twitter comments and watching Tom Hardercourt play baseball psychologist with the fan base on Twitter trying to calm everybody down. <laughs> The problem with baseball is there's 162 games and these guys play six times a week and everybody in this country right now, they overreact like it's a football game. There's only 16 football games, so on Monday, if the Packers get beat and they play poorly on Monday, you've got seven, six days to scream and yell about it. Or in baseball, you might have 16 hours and is, they play again. Is that becoming more also of a trend? I think so. I just Where think that we're the in the irrational freak out mode. Well, and we're in such of a everybody, everybody's state. Yeah, everybody's got an opinion. Everybody wants to get it out there as fast as they can. And the problem with baseball is there's just too many games. Like you watched the Brewers last night and you're like, "Oh my god, this is like a little league team." <laughs> I mean, they got an offensive uh, an offensive line in the infield. Speaking of offensive line, kudos to my guy, Jesus, for breaking his belt on yeah. his uniform today. I mean, That's my go. kind of dude. There you go. <laughs> but then today, Freddie Peralta goes out and pitches yep. seven strong innings, and Shout they're a completely time. different team. Yep. So it, it, baseball is just so, you know, that's why, you know, we'll get into it in a little bit, This whole the whole stats and over-reliance on stats, but that's why it's a batting average. Right. And it bears itself out over eight months. You have... Ups and downs, For sure. plateaus and valleys and peaks, and I, that that stuff happens. Well, there's been a lot of people bitching about Scope since the Brewers yes. got him, mm-hmm. and the week that they, the week before they got him, he was the American League Player of the Week and had had a fabulous July. How many of those? How many people that are better Brewer fans? That got him probably knew that. Only if they're paying attention during the broadcast. But that's what I mean. I'm not sure that a lot of people, again, it's one of those details where you're only hearing half the information about what you want because you're only paying attention part of the time. Yes. And that's why people aren't very good at forming these opinions because they're not rooted in any sort of factual information. Like if if you look at the overall grant and then, you know, you back up and you, and you drop a, you know, a piece of information like that, then they have to kind of go, oh, well, although most of them were probably already rooted in their opinion and have made up their mind beforehand. Well, that doesn't matter. He's terrible now. Right. I mean, he was hitting in the high hundreds in May. Then all of a sudden he went crazy and he was up to 250 when the Brewers got him, but now he's gotten onto the Brewers and he's hitting 173 as a Brewer. So, you know, some of these players are going to do that. There's not a lot of guys that you can pencil in night in and night out that you're confident have the opportunity to go two for four. There's just not a lot of those guys around. 
Well, and they're still trying to figure out how to maximize and play all these games or these guys at positions where you can put them into the lineup and be successful and circulate a good rotation where you don't give too many guys a day off if they might be hot or put a guy on the field too much if they might be a little cold. Well, and let's face it. I mean, I, I think that with a lot of these guys, they, they're they in maybe their first pennant race or if, Probably. you know, or last year their second pennant race, and there's a lot of pressure on some of these guys, you know, and even a guy like Mustakas, who's, you know, won a World Series championship with Kansas City, you know, he comes over and he's playing third base every day. He pushed Travis Shaw, who's having a pretty darn good year and was pretty good last year, pushed him out of that spot. Right. So when Mustakas is making errors at third base, not only are you hurt the team, but there's got to be something kind of subconsciously where you're like, man, you know, I got booted for that guy. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and it's now we've got another problem in the division with guys that are not necessarily playing out of position, but kind of taking a page out of David Stern's playbook with the Cubs getting Daniel Murphy. I mean, he's second baseman, and you've got Javi Baez, who's having an MVP caliber mm-hmm. season, mm-hmm. and you're not going to sit him for Daniel Murphy, but you know the Cubs averaged one run in a four-game series in Pittsburgh per yeah, game. Yeah, that's it for a for a team that was supposed to be, you know, hitting the hitting the ball all over the park and into the stands. Well, Bryant's on the DL, and he has experience at third, yep. so he'll so play some. Probably, there. I think what'll probably end up happening um, is that uh, Daniel Murphy will play second, and Baez will shift to short. Brian at third when they're playing against a righty. I think Russell will play short against the lefty. And then you've kind of got Zobrist as kind of a super utility guy who can play all over the field. But, yeah, that's uh, when I saw that yesterday, I, I didn't like that, that the Cubs picked up a not. bat like that. I mean, he was spectacular a couple of years ago in the playoffs for the Mets. Right. He destroyed the Cubs. He single-handedly knocked that team out of the playoffs. So to see him going to the, to the, uh, the Brewers' rival – and then the Cardinals getting one of their old guys back, yep. Matt Adams, who's having a nice year for the Nationals, you know, give that team a little bit more pop. And, I mean, they're as hot as anybody in the league right now. It's just the the two biggest moves that you read about in one fell swoop come with the two teams that are in the division and the Brewers are fighting against. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's – I'm not going to criticize David Stearns and his lack of acquiring talent or at least trying and doing his due diligence on getting guys, but – it's it's a little disheartening when when it seems like the Cubs or the Cardinals need somebody either to fix something or need a guy to to prop them up. They don't have any problem with going out and doing it and not even batting an eyelash. Granted, the Cubs didn't give up Jack for Murphy, right? Um, and I don't know what the Cardinals gave up because I didn't look too hard about not it. Not much, I don't think. But it's it's just one of those things where it's like, man, that would be nice. You know, but at the same time, you don't, as Coach O wants to say, you don't want to overwork the BB. And it seems like the Brewers got enough problems right now with trying to find a combination of guys they can put on the field and be successful. So it's not like you add one more guy to the mix. I mean, what do you do? And who do you sit and who do you get rid of? Well, right. They they made their position right. move. So they really, there was nothing left to do. You know, everybody's screaming for a pitcher. And, you know, I've been guilty of that too. But, you know, it depends who's available, and it depends on what you have to give up to get him. And Stern said it in the paper. I think they asked him yesterday after those trades were announced. You know, you do, do, do you regret not not going for a, a starting pitcher or pitching help at the deadline? And he just said, "Well, we'll see." And and I guess <laughs> you know it, it's, it's a it's a fair answer. I mean, if at the end of the year, if the Brewers miss the uh, the wild card by a game or two, 
Um, I think it'd be fair to criticize them for that. If they make the playoffs and get knocked out, well, you know, maybe that's what they were. But it's going to be an interesting last 34, 35 games here. They got, you know, uh, they, they're going to get some rest. They got some days off. Um, they're going to be able to set their pitch and staff up the way they want it to, you know, hopefully. And, um, you know, hopefully the bats come alive. and Got and, a lot of division games left. Yeah, they do. And uh, the, a big one, a kind of a redemption weekend for them against Pittsburgh this weekend. They owe them for Need that four-game sweep uh, for sure. before the All-Star break. So we'll we'll see what happens. What else you got over there? You're the one taking making notes and whatnot. Uh, well, uh, AP uh, college football rankings came out this week. Yeah, first time since, what was it, 03? I think that the Badgers finished as high as fourth, and that's the highest they've ever been. They have as many first and second team preseason All-Americans as Alabama, and they have as many first-teamers as Clemson. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they're in, I'm not going to say uncharted territory. I mean, you sent me a clip today on Twitter of Colin Cowherd and the, the most effective coaches in college football, and name conspicuously absent from that list, as Cowherd pointed out. Um, astutely enough, as it were, that coach Paul Christ is not on that list, and he even went so far as to say he's got the best coaching staff in college football because they constantly overachieve, and I thought he made some decent points. Wisconsin has never been a hugely, highly touted recruiting um, school that gets good rankings, I guess, when you can rank all those ESPN 350 athletes or however many that you acquire but yet they're consistently consistently at the top and right there at the end, which goes beyond what their recruiting rankings would tell you, which means his the coaches are doing a good job at at developing the players and putting in putting them in positions to succeed. They are. And they're and at the end of the day, they're getting they're still getting good players. I mean, that you know, the the, the whole five star, four star ranking thing, it's kind of a meat market and it Oh, for sure. So, that's what it's so, turned into. So much of it depends on, you know, where you play, who you play for, what kind of connections does your high school coach have with recruiting agencies. And which and, service, because yes. you've got like three or four of them yes. now that are ranking players and a lot of them count on different things and hold them in higher priority than sure. something else. So the Badgers go get you know, the Badgers go get a you know, a, a four-star outside linebacker or a three-star outside linebacker from, you know, South Dakota. <laughs> and he he's actually a better football player than the five-star kid from California, but right. it's just nobody saw him play because of where he grew up. So, you know, the, the preseason thing, it's it's cool. means nothing. I mean, no. I, I personally don't think that they should even have those rankings. I, 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 wouldn't, I would be fine if they didn't do rankings until after, like, week four because I just think that, you know, at this point it's just guesswork. Um but it is a cool thing. It's nice for for us to talk about with the Badgers, and I'm I'm sure it's nice for the coaching staff when they're going on recruiting trips. They can walk into somebody's living room and say, "Hey, look, we're a top five preseason team." And that's funny that you bring that up because the constant message from the coaching staff to the players is, "We're tuning this out." But then they have to turn right around when they go into a recruit's house and be like, "This is our program. These are the accolades. This is what we're doing." Which, sure. yeah, I mean, you ha- you got to wear the different hats, though. Right. You know, you just. That's just the that's the animal of of recruiting. It's cutthroat, and you know you have to be able when when the you know when Mike or uh, Mark D'Antonio or Urban Meyer is in the same living room as somebody that you want to be in. You know you got to be able to back up your credentials because 
you know, these kids follow it, but not everybody follows it to the letter. No. And, you know, sometimes they don't know that the Badgers have won how many Rose Bowls and been to how many bowl games in a row and whatnot. So you got to tell them. It's a short memory. They probably only saw the game against Miami last year at this point or something like that and like the turnover chain. But um, Michael and I were talking about this because we talk about Badgers and Packers almost every day. Um, There's a possibility when you bring up the preseason rankings and what this team and how it's built. And granted, they have to replace uh, a lot on defense, particularly in the secondary and the defensive line. I mean, when you when you take one of your best offensive line prospects and switch him to defensive line out of need, you know you're hurting at a position group. For sure. But it's possible with all the talent coming back on offense, and now that's changing with this Quintez Cephas and um, Danny Davis situation, which I don't know how Eesh. long. That's, that's, that's a bad, bad thing going on there. Yeah. But yeah. there's... Uh, there's a possibility that this could be a better Badger team than last year, and they could finish off worse just because of what kind of positions they have to do. Uh, they have to be in on the road. I mean, they open up the Big Ten schedule at Iowa. They got to go to Michigan. They got to go to Northwestern, which is no picnic, no matter where they're no, ranked they or always, how good they, they are. Always struggle down there. And then they got to go to Penn State and Purdue, which is supposed to be better mm-hmm. this year. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm kind of laughing at the Minnesota game for the Axe this year because there's only one scholarship quarterback. I heard that on Minnesota. They're, and, they're and, starting and, a walk on, and right? he's a redshirt freshman. Yeah, and he just committed, Mister Row the Boat, to a true freshman walk on. Wow, wow. I don't know how but you can expect. I mean, you, best of you, luck, right? You just kind of. Th- Throw the season out, then we're like, okay, well, I guess we're going to plan for next year or two years. That's a rough position to put that kid in because right. you know that the, the, he's going to take grief from their alumni base. But but I mean, as far as the schedule is concerned, uh, this the, the coaching staff, and we heard it last year about tuning out the, the national noise about the playoffs and getting into the top four teams and winning the Big Ten, which uh, you're not going to do until you win that Big Ten title game. I mean, you got a right. hurdle there. For sure. Um, but until you, this coaching staff has done a great job of tuning that out, and to their credit, at the end, they're kind of always right in that conversation. So I'm not counting them out by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just seeing the writing on the wall and looking at this like, I don't care how, how good you are. That's a tall mountain for any team to climb. It is, and and frankly, I hope that some of those teams, like a Michigan and Iowa, um, I hope they're good. I hope they're good teams. I hope Nebraska has a good year because winning those games Means only more. helps you yep. out. One of the knocks on the Badgers last the last year. couple didn't years. Didn't play anybody. Didn't play anybody. And, you know, they're, <laughs> you're in the Big Ten and they tell you you don't play anybody. It's unfortunate <laughs> that you're on the side of the bracket that just has kind of the lesser teams. Um, but that's not really anything they can control. Nope. The schedule is what it is. So you just, you know, you got to hope for some I th- help. I thought they did a good job last year of positioning like, hey, you come into our conference, you go undefeated. Yeah. Until the Big Ten, in, you know, to, in, until the title game, that's no small, no small feat. No, it's not. And you know, Iowa every five years, Ferentz puts together a good Iowa team, and they they're ranked and they overachieve. They overachieve. They're ranked. They play in a good bowl, but it's only about one every five years. The last know? one they played was at the Rose Bowl against Stanford, I yeah. think, and they got demolished, didn't they? <laughs> and then you got Frost at Nebraska. Yep. We'll see if he can turn things around. Maybe that'll help out too. And Harbaugh's on the hot seat. D'Antonio's yeah. looking to rebound. So I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of good storylines in the Big Ten aside from the Urban Meyer thing. Which what did I I read a headline while I was um, waiting to talk to Coach Krieger over at Parker that 
was Urban Meyer said he's not if if they levy a suspension against him, he's just not going to serve it. And I just I didn't even read the article, but I just found that headline amusing because if your governing body that employs you says you're suspended, how do you just not serve that? I I, I don't understand how I again I haven't read the article, but I'm like that doesn't make any sense. Well, he's now the he was the second most, and he is now the most important person in the state of Ohio now Probably. that LeBron James is in oh. California. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess you can kind of do what you want, but we we talked about it a little bit. When did the Big Ten turn into the SEC? Kind of seems that way at this point. I mean, they don't have any of the the recruiting cheating scandals. the The scandals in the Big Ten are they're they're worse. They're gross. You know, the Penn State thing, the Michigan State thing. This this you know uh, this deal with Urban Meyer and his his assistant getting sex toys sent to his office and and <laughs> you know having relations with an, a, a support staffer in yeah. his office and. You know, and even the stuff here with the Badgers, yeah, a couple of the on kids going out. on. I yep. mean, this is just, I don't know, man. It it, it, it makes it a little difficult sometimes as as I get older. You know, when you're a kid, you don't care. You, no, you're, you cheering, just, you're cheering for laundry. But now as, you, as I get a little bit older, it's kind of like, man, I don't know. I, I don't. I like that phrase, cheering for laundry. I don't want to, I don't really want to watch and support some of, some of this stuff. But, you well, know. it's, I mean, and there are a lot of people that don't care about that part of the game. I know. It's when you go on the field. Well, we saw it at Ohio State with that little rally they had for Urban Meyer before yeah. any information was even out. They had already deemed him to be innocent. It's like, what? And I, come on, I man. guess I just don't understand that, especially when you have kids and you need to teach them about athletes. And I suppose there's a there's a there's a parent moment in there where you can teach, you know, and and explain to your kids who are sports fans and hold athletes up on pedestals and whatnot that not everybody's perfect but their athletic ability is something special and I if you can separate that great good for you you're kind of now speaking my language where I'm at an age right now that I can't necessarily do that and certain things you know it's different you know when you're talking about criminal activity versus bad Ryan Ryan Braun and his in his PED use like whatever, so you got a little bit more money. I don't care. That's not a big deal to me. But when you're talking about nasty like, and breaking, breaking the, the law, law yeah. some pretty heinous stuff, that's where it's just kind of like, yeah, you know. I'm I'm with I, you. I, I, I don't I don't need to deal you with. Bring that. up a good point about the Big Ten. For it's, sure, that's well. I, I mean, everybody <laughs> goes through something. I guess. I mean, the Big Twelves had a lot of crap go on with Baylor and the ACC oh, yeah. with North Carolina. Yep. So everybody's got something, but it just. This Big Ten stuff kind of all piled up at the same time here. In Seems the last like in the last years. last few years. Yeah, for sure. Preseason week number three where nobody's – this is supposed to be the week where everybody plays, and nobody's going to play for the Packers, it sounds like, and now they were kicking the tires on a trading Randall Cobb, which I'm not even going to even entertain. The Khalil Mack thing was kind of ridiculous, which was, which was amusing because you remember when that took off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah, we because, talked a little bit about it last week. You said it was some guy at a, on a blog or right. something. Well, Michael and I talked about that, and and one of my former teammates, um, for a, in a working capacity with um, another radio station, he Jason Wildey runs the uh, um, Wildey and Tausch radio show. He and Mark Tauscher, and they got a, they have a really cool series with uh, with Aaron Rodgers. I know you're not the biggest fan, but I think it's it's a really good 
um, interview series at uh, ESPNWisconsin.com. But so Michael and I was were talking, and he posed the question to me: Now that the Packers have two first round picks next year, would you do it? And I posed the question to Wildy, and he put it up on Twitter last week or the week before, and it just exploded. And then it got picked up by all the national outlets. Like, could the Packers trade two first round picks for the? And I, it was just amazing to me how. Something that Michael and I were talking about, I pass on to a host, he puts it on, and he's got thousands of followers, and all of a sudden, then it starts to get traction and becomes a national kind of question mark story. Right. I thought that was really fascinating about how social media can connect people, and we both agree that it's most of the time... Just a horrible place it's to be. It's a cesspool of... It, it really is of, humanity. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> but the the Mac thing, it's interesting. A lot of teams have been rumored. I saw the Bears, the Packers, the Cowboys. Everybody's you know. in on it at this sure, point. The guy's a great player. Of course, everybody's going to be in on it. But one of the interesting things I heard, I was listening to uh, uh, GM Street on The Ringer with uh, Mike Lombardi today, and he was saying, you know, whoever trades for Mac has to has to understand that not only are you going to have to probably give up at least one and probably two very high draft picks mm-hmm. he expe- he wants to be, be paid, paid like a quarterback yes, he him, does. him and Aaron Donald they want 20 plus million dollars and you have to decide are you willing to pay a 27 soon to be 28 year old defensive lineman 22 million dollars a year for 4 years that's a tough stretch man you know i mean that's quarterback money you know and the Packers are going to have to pay Aaron Rodgers, and, and not not that they can't afford maybe Mac, but that's well, a lot. That's a big commitment. Traditionally, and I, I thought that that was a, a fascinating question. Traditionally, the Packers have never, and I don't even remember what we did. We touch on this last week about they've never really been so strapped salary cap wise. Right, right now they're going to be in uncharted territory a little bit mm-hmm. with having to pay Rodgers. Clay Matthews' contract is up after this year. I'm sure he's going to want a pile of money. Ugh. I mean, you you know you've got offensive linemen. I think is it Bulaga who's up after this year. So I mean, you've got a lot of question marks that are going to if you want to pay him, they're going to require a lot of guaranteed money and money that's going to be against the cap, and you're you're going to be entering. You know, the Baltimore Ravens Joe Flacco situation where you saw after he signed and they either they don't draft well or they don't bring in guys that they can pay because they got a certain amount dedicated to the cap. I mean, that's that's a, a thing that a lot of teams have had to deal with except for Green Bay most of the time. And so I'm wondering how going forward after this and they, when you look at it and back up, Khalil Mack just probably not in the cards there. Probably not, no. I think this is a going to be a fascinating year to watch the Packers. I think this is a really big year for their franchise going forward. You know, I think how hard was that to say? Well, look, I, <laughs> I I don't cheer for them, but you know, I I'm I'm at least realistic in the fact that they're they're good. I don't like it, but they're good. It's like the Cardinals <laughs> and the Cubs. But right. you know, with Rodgers, you know, this is it for him. This is going to probably be his last contract. You know, he's thirty five. You know, he says he wants to play till 40. That's fine. You know, we'll see. He does have some injury history. Yep. And, you know, there's only really been two great quarterbacks that have ever played that long in our era, and that's Brady and Favre. And Favre was kind of, uh, you know, a miracle of modern science that the guy just never got hurt. And if he did, he could play through it. But I think the Packers, you know, like you said, you've got some guys that are coming up on contracts that are a little, little older. I mean, 
you got to make a decision on Matthews, probably Bulaga if he's up. You know, are you going to keep paying Randall Cobb to catch 40 balls for 600 yards? I mean, what for? You can get those guys in the fifth round of the draft. Um, so th- there's going to be some decisions to make, and you know you might start to see some roster turner- turnover of some guys that have been, you know, pretty recognizable names on that team for the last five seven years that next year might not be there because of that fact that you got to pay these guys. And Tauscher talked about it with Rogers a little bit because he went through kind of the same thing. And um, when Rogers first got there, when he was drafted that same year, Favre lost Marco Rivera. And Mike Wall, right, two of his most reliable linemen who needed big paydays, but had injury issues a little bit. And then they they signed. I I don't know where they went. I think Wall went to Carolina. I'm not sure where Rivera went, but they they dropped out of the league after a few years because they got injured and they never. And that hindsight proved to be you made a good decision on letting those guys. That doesn't make it any easier for the veterans there, but. They also got to realize that, I mean, if Rodgers is going to be with the team, like you said, past 40, this is going to be more of a thing that he's going to have to get used to. Well, and they if he's going to be there until 40, they got to figure out how to keep him upright. Well, that's for sure. And if, you know, the number one thing, you, you look at New England and the reason why they've been able to stay so good for so long, they always have a really, really good offensive line. You never hear about that being an issue. No. Even when they, you know, it's not a great run blocking line. They never have a, you know, but huge rushers. But do you they need keep, a dominant run game no. when you have Tom Brady? No, the, he kind of is their run game, throwing those balls to James White and those guys. But Green Bay is going to have to figure that out. You know, Rogers coming off that broken collarbone. You know, it's the second time I think he's broke a collarbone. Yeah, and you know, he's had some concussion issues. I don't know, man. That's it's uh, it's something to for them to certainly worry about. I am kind of curious to see how in the division, I mean, obviously my focus is all on the Packers, but I'm kind of curious to see how the Bears do. I'm kind of curious to see how the Vikings do because the Vikings have had turnover, especially at the quarterback position, which is your most important position, and they gave a fully guaranteed contract to a a guy who's kind of bounced around, put up good numbers, but when you got a guy that takes you within a game of the Super Bowl and then all of a sudden you dump him, I don't really know what what to make of that. Um, but I I also want to see how the new Bears leadership does with some of these young guys at quarterback. I want to see how Smith does at linebacker. This this uh, Shaheen guy from a small school looks like a pretty decent tight end. Um, I, I'm curious to see whether Kevin White can stay on the field. Yeesh. But I mean, those are the things that I actually, as a football fan, yeah. and and looking at a rival, I'm kind of curious about. And they're they're your team. I don't know, uh, you know, being in Wisconsin, you probably don't get to be ingratiated with as much Bears stuff as as you do Packers. But I mean, do you keep up? I do to fa- a, fairly well yeah, with that uh, without diving in too hard. I do to a point. I, I think the division is going to be very good. I think it's going to be very competitive. Um, I think the Bears are going to be much better than they were last year. Uh, maybe not in the standings, but in, in terms of being a competitive team week in and week out, they're going to be much better coached than they were the last couple of years. I mean, John Fox's corpse was not doing a good job on the sideline. Um, so Matt Nagy bringing some offensive, you know, uh, flair ideas and yep. flair, and they're going to, you know, Trubisky, they're going to do some stuff with him. And, and look, you know, 
for the Packer fans that are going to make fun of Trubisky and they're going to make fun of the Bear quarterbacks and all that, yeah, he's not going to be Aaron Rodgers. He's not that kind of a quarterback where he's going to drop back 35 times. He's not going to have 40 touchdown seasons. He's more of like a like a poor man's Cam Newton in a way. that He's going to be moving around. He can run a little bit. Actually, what he really is is he's kind of an Alex Smith-type player, and I think that's why Nagy that's will fit well with him. him. Yes. Um, I think Minnesota's going to be good again. they got a very, very good defense. They're going to, it's going to keep him in games. They're going to get Dalvin Cook back. The running game's going to be good. Cousins is fine. I don't think he's bad. I don't think he's good. I think he's middle he, of the pack. Is he an even swap or is he an upgrade from Case Keenum? I mean, you, you, I, I, think, I just don't think you can you can the Keenum thing. I think was lightning in a bottle. That's kind of where I'm at because he's got prior history of not succeeding. Yep. So I, I overperform I, for sure. I think that Cousins will be an upgrade overall, and I th- I still like Detroit. I mean, they're dangerous. Stafford's I think is a really good player. They chuck it around a lot. They can score a lot of points, especially at home. So I think it's going to be a deep division this year. And, you know, I think the Packers are are clearly, in my opinion, I would put them as the favorites just with the unknown with Cousins in, in Minnesota. Um, but, you know, if if they got two teams in the playoffs, it wouldn't surprise me. And if if the Bears or the or the Lions were fighting it out for that sixth seed, wouldn't shock me. You, th- you think the Bears are going to win that many games, or that that could, I think could be? It could happen. There's always a bad team or two in the NFL who overachieves. They get a they get a lucky break on the schedule. I was and, and they just going to ask. You that. get a nine and seven season. I mean, I think the NFC is probably too deep this year for that to happen, but. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I, I know sports radio hosts that do this whole thing full time hate the whole. You know, when the schedule yes. comes out, you predict a it win is, loss. Yeah, yeah. But I guess just looking at it, I mean, it always seems like for the Packers, there's just an absolute murderer's row of games. Um, and there's a stretch right after the bye week where there's two on the road, home, and then two on the road again. And they're all really, really good. And I, I can't think of it right now um, who those are. And I'm trying to get it up on my phone. Well, but, I, those- but I was just talking about it with somebody, and it's like, that just looks absolutely insane like to to expect from anybody. Well, those okay, two so- flex games are, are important too. The 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 out of division and the not in the division that everybody in your division is playing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like when usually the Packers will play like Seattle, mm-hmm. but they won't play the NFC West. Typically the better teams it seems like play better teams. Oh, yeah. You know, they'll play Seattle yep. and the Bears will play Washington. Right. You know what I mean? So that that could be a factor. So after too. the bye week it starts Who's this uh, for now? Uh, on, on the Packers. This Packers? Okay. So Sunday, October 28th, at the Rams, out of the bye week, so West Coast. Mm-hmm. Then you wait, and that's a late afternoon game. You wait, and then you play a Sunday night game at New England on the East Coast the mm-hmm. week after that. Then back home against the Dolphins for a noon kickoff on a Sunday. Then a short turnaround Thursday at Seattle. Oof. And don't get me wrong, I'm not sure the Seahawks are going to be as strong as they traditionally That's a tough week, been. though. But right, yeah. especially on a short time in that stadium. Mm-hmm. And then they get a little bit of a, a longer break, but then they got to play another Sunday night game at Minnesota. That's, I, I don't know how good the Dolphins are going to be. Glad you get a home game in the middle of that, but that's four insanely challenging road games, one of which comes on three days rest. Yeah, that's a tough, that's a tough gauntlet to go through. It's kind of the... The curse of being good, you get those you get those Sunday night games. I mean, everybody it. plays Thursday, but you know those Sunday night games can be a blessing and a curse. Mm-hmm. 
So Bears and Packers kick it off on the ninth, I think, uh, 100th season of, and I like that to kick it off. I think that's a fitting 100th season of yeah. of, of Packers football. And the Bears to, Bears to kick off with, and I think that's the be being the rivalry in the NFL. Yeah. That's I th- I'm gonna check. That's I'm gonna check the Bears out on Saturday. They play the Chiefs at noon, and uh, it sounds like they're gonna play most of their starters at least the entire first quarter. First but quarter. you know, maybe even into the into the second quarter, just because everybody will sit for. Week four, but you know it, it's one of the, it's it's down to the nitty gritty now for some of these guys trying to make rosters and and uh, you know these and, games get to be a little bit more important and you know a little bit more worthwhile to watch. Not a lot, but a little. <laughs> it's preseason. It's tough. I mean, it's you generally want your starters or the guys that are second teamers fighting for you know the possible backup spot. Or something like that. I mean, uh, the feel-good story, obviously, for Green Bay so far in training camp is the is the kid from Whitewater. Yeah, uh, Kumaro. Yeah. I mean, uh, and I got and he's into hurt a, though, right? Yeah, he he hurt his shoulder. He says he's fine. He's a little sore. I don't know if he's going to play on Friday night in Oakland, but uh, it sounds like from the beat writers that he's already wrapped up a spot on the fifty-three man. Which, uh, you know, we've debated this with uh, Packers fans. Michael and I and some other people about uh, you wonder in the Ted Thompson era, and I know he's one of your favorites, um, whether you draft three wide receivers and then you've got a street free agent, whether you show favoritism to your guys that you've drafted and scouted and done all this homework on or somebody who's got a little more local flair in the state that people can get behind like a Vince Beagle or something like that. And you just keep them on the roster and put some of your draft guys on the practice squad for a year if they need more development. But for right now, I don't really see an argument for the draft picks because it sounds like Kumaro's outperformed all of them. Yeah, I'm I'm one of those I'm I'm one of those people that once the draft's over, I don't really care. Like if you're a first round pick or a seventh round pick, it it, it after the Show draft it's really irrelevant because right. um, I it got I, a bunch of my friends were saying that to me when the Bucks let Jabari Parker go. How do you let the number two pick in the draft go? Well, he's not the number two pick in the draft. He was four years ago, blew his knee out twice. He's just a guy now. So you have to get that out of your head when you're trying to evaluate somebody and be like, well, look, Kumaro is better. Therefore, has been. He needs to play and get it in and be on the on the roster. I mean, he to I, I haven't seen much of him. I've just seen some highlights. And to me, he's like a cross between he's better than Janice. He's not as good as Jordy. He's kind of Bill Schrader-ish. Oh, man. Who is not bad. No, he not had, a bad he, player. He had his but... moments, you know. But if he could be that kind of a guy for Rodgers, you know, a, a speedy, deep threat, um, I, I, that'd be a nice little addition to their offense. Well, and I got into, a, a, a of all places, a Twitter conversation, a, a discussion with uh, Drew Olson over in Milwaukee who was talking about um, he doesn't think that, at least he didn't last week, that Kumaro was going to make the roster. And he thought that a lot of the draft picks were going to be shown favorite, uh, favoritism over, you know, like I said, a, a street free agent guy who's bounced around a couple of places where, again, I don't know whether he's read some of these Packer beat reporters, but, I mean, Jamon Moore has has the drops. Um, you haven't heard for, from uh, uh, Equinemius St. Brown, the, another guy that they drafted, and Marquez Valdez-Scandling show, has shown flashes, but there's no consistency. So those three draft picks that they took this year, uh, they haven't done, done anything to stand out over Kumaro. Right. Uh, 
do you just go and keep one of those guys on potential because he's one of your draft picks? I mean, they put D'Angelo Yancey on the on the practice squad last year because they thought he needed another year and he wasn't going to make the team. Do you do that right now, or do you want to keep one of those guys with the risk of possibly somebody else picking them up before you have time to put them on the practice squad? Yeah. I, 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 I don't know the answer, right. and I'm certainly not blinded enough to say that you're going to keep a guy just because He's an in-state dude, Division three or sure, not? No, absolutely. Yeah, this is this is pro. This is win. pro sports. You, you got, you, it doesn't matter that you're, you know, your your dad owns a business or something. You gotta have <laughs> gotta have guys on your team that are going to be helping you win games, right? Whether you're a draft pick or whether you're acquired somewhere else. Yeah. But I do know if they keep him, I would imagine he's going to be selling a lot of jerseys in the mm-hmm. state. Oh, no doubt. Just just because of local flair. Um, and oh, how how are we doing on time? Here? We got about you know five. Ten minutes, something like well, that. Well, we just to just to wrap up football. Um, you know, we talked beforehand. We're you know once we get a little closer to, to the season, we're gonna we're gonna tease our picks a little bit. Yeah. We're gonna pick pick playoff teams. We'll make our Super Bowl picks. So you know, those of you that that do follow us, all five of you, you know, you can <laughs> you can give a shit on Twitter or, or text us privately sure. or whatever yep. it is you want to do. And you know, we we talked about maybe getting into the helmet rule a little bit, but I think we'll pass on that's, that. That's a little bit too. It, we'll, we'll wait till the season starts and see how see it affects how real games, how badly it's being called, and yeah. who's freaking out about it. I mean, who was the was the coach in was it Zimmer? It was who Zimmer, said, yeah, yeah, it's gonna said it's gonna cost people jobs. Well, that we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's to me, it's also got to be uh, part on on the coaches with how are you teaching guys and putting guys in a position to not get suspended, yeah. not get penalized. I mean, it's not just on the players who, you know, up until a certain point, habitually just do that. Now, all of a sudden, you're told you can't do it anymore. It's it's harder to unlearn something that you've been doing, that you've been trained to do for years, yeah. and all of a sudden say you can't do that anymore. Yes, absolutely. I mean, but, but, I mean, that's that that's partly on the coaches. Well, and then um, the last thing we want to get into, and it's something that I think we should try to do weekly. We're gonna do our, we're gonna do a, a like a weekly top five where we pick, you know, maybe a sport or or something, something, movies, music, whatever, and we're we're gonna kind of give our own personal little top fives, and you know, see if uh, well, anybody wants to argue with us about it. And the reason this came up is because I saw a list. I follow Jeff Risden on Twitter. He's um, an NFL draft guy. What I follow quite a few of them. Um, he does a lot of work for uh, different outlets and whatnot. He's got 15,500 followers on Twitter or something like that. He listed, and I don't know how it came up, um, he says he doesn't drink soda that often, but he listed his his soda rankings. And I thought that was fascinating because we can all agree that soda's bad for you. Oh, God. And, and we shouldn't be drinking it, but a lot of us do. That's why I wear a... Size. Too big waist I that you. I want to say I that I used to. I understand. <laughs> so he gave his personal soda ranks. He went all the way down to top 10, and I had tweeted him back, and he said, you know, this the, the list is not a big thing. And I said, it's an even lesser thing. That well, it's, you got to save yours, but we, most people probably know what your number one is. When, so. when he didn't list a certain soda, yeah. I was like, it's even less of a thing because this is not included. And he got back to me. Yeah, He, he tweeted back to me. He's like, I've legit never heard of that. And that kind of just went... Oh man! Seriously? I'll tell you a story about that okay. when we get to it. All right. But, so um, we, I talked to you, and I said maybe for the podcast we should list our top five sodas mm-hmm. since this guy did. I'll let you start. All right. Uh, we'll start at five. Okay. Um, my number five is uh, Sprecher's Root Beer. Sprecher's Root. Oh, so yeah. we're going brand. Yeah. Okay. Now I have to change mine. Yeah. Okay. 
All right, I like that. All right. Um, uh-huh. you, you want you want to give your fifth? Um, I settled on a tie because it's I could go either one and it's the same type of soda basically. So you're already making up different rule. <laughs> now we're doing top six. This is just you. You're just gonna do. The, you're gonna des- be that guy. I couldn't decide <laughs> on orange or grape crush. Okay, that's fair. That's, uh, it, that's fair. It's the same soda, sure. just with a different flavor, and I can't figure out which one. I, okay. It's not Coke or Pepsi. Yep. Different, but it's the same soda. I, you hand me an orange or a grape, and I'll care either way. Gotcha. They're still good. Gotcha. All right. Um. All right. Number four, uh, Coca Cola. Because uh, straight. It go, it, yeah, it right. goes fantastic with whiskey. <laughs> Wait. So now we're factoring in how it works with alcohol. I. It's my top five. Right, I fine. can do it however okay. I want. Uh, my number four is A and W root beer. Okay, all right, all right. nice. Uh, number three, I go with Seven Up uh, because it's uh, part of it's half of my favorite drink, which is a Seven and Seven. <laughs> okay, that's two in a row. Love those things. Right. Great by the pool. <laughs> um, number three for me is Dr Pepper. Mm, yeah, I, I forgot about that. That that might that maybe should be five for me. Really, you're, you're already bumping something it's, out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, all I don't right. know. We'll see, but. All right, number two for me, uh, Gray's Cream Soda. Cream Soda. Mm-hmm. I, my yeah. dad has always loved it. He tried to get me to to try one when I was young, and I spit it right well, out. I, and, and I, I haven't been back. I'm, I, I love all the Gray's uh, okay. sodas, but the uh, the Cream Soda is definitely right. my favorite. Number two, don't compare it to Dr. Pepper. It's not even an equivalent. I think it's better. Mr. Pibb. Okay. Lunch at the Italian house when oh, we yes. when we were yes. cra- they st- they still stock it Do over they? there. Edmund does, and there is on occasion when I go in and I want to get a gondola and pair it with a Mister Pib, and that's that's one of those drinks that I had a lot for freshman year when we had lunch there almost every single day when yeah. we had open campus. Racing from freshman hall Absolutely. on a dead sprint to so get we there. Didn't yeah. have to be in line outside the door. My buddy Warner always beat me there, and I never knew. He must have just, I don't know. He had a different route than me. He was always first in Somehow. line. Somehow. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. Number one for me, uh, pretty easy. It's been my favorite one since I was a little kid, Mountain Dew. Yep. Um, I've kind of switched over now to the diet Mountain Dew. Um, and if I buy regular Mountain Dew, I buy the heavily sugar, uh, the old school. The throwback? Oh, yeah. The throwback Dew because I want to be bouncing off the walls if I drink some Dew. <laughs> and then um, and then crash hard. Yeah, absolutely. And notice there's not a lot of diet sodas on our no, list. No, and I thought about putting diet Dew at the top because it's what I'm currently drinking, but I, I the regular Dew is still the best. I had a roommate at, when I first graduated college that uh, he could drink seven or eight of them a day. <sighs> and, and when he finally tried to quit, I think he was in bed for an entire week with a headache oh man yeah trying trying to get rid of that i've heard stories about that i was never bad like that you know it was one or two a day but oof, seven a day goodness how does he have teeth (laughs) and rot (laughs) out of his head good good question uh number one obviously the easiest pick on the list yeah i even got a 20 ounce right here as we're doing this we got sundrop so that's that is our uh, top five soda list um, which we will end on. I only know for episode two point I only know two other people that would put Sundrop at the top of their list. One is a good friend of my dad's, Jeff Cass. He's a Sundrop guy, mm-hmm. kind of like you. Drinks him in the morning. That's his coffee. Yep, that's pretty much what it is. The other guy, and this is a this is a story, and we can wrap up on this. Uh, a guy I uh, I knew back in the day, you know, Jeff DeSormo. Yeah, he used to be the host of of a Simba. local show, Let's Talk Sports. Oh, Johnson Cable. He ended up moving. I believe it was down to Arizona after college, and he was a big Sundrop guy, and they didn't sell it. That's there. not surprising. 
and kind of like your guy that said he had never heard of it, people down there had never heard of it, and he ended up having to basically like ship down there by <laughs> by the caseload. I think his grandma or his or his mom or somebody was putting these shipments together, and it's you know, a cult following, oh, big man. Time. It's they have a they have a bottler Twigs Brewery up in Shawano where they they have an entire Sundrop Festival for yeah. a weekend. My dad and I were going to go up there. He obviously introduced me to Sundrop when I worked in West Bend. They didn't have it over there. Um, when I worked in Lake Geneva, they didn't have it over there. I talked the huh. talked to the gas station and the Piggly Wiggly over there. Like this is a Seven Up product. If you get Seven Up, there's no yes. reason you can't have this. Right. And so I talked him into actually getting a couple of shipments every once in a while. And I think I was the only one that was supporting the Sundrop uh, product in Lake Geneva. And I was told like. Six months after I left Lake Geneva, both of them just did not stop carrying it because <laughs> they didn't sell a one oh, after I came in. That's great. Well, that was that was riveting. In, so. I'm sure the people oh, are absolutely. just just locked into their uh, well, their podcast sets here. That's what well, this did is. Did I just say podcast is, set? Is, I should say phone. That's fine. Yeah. yeah is anybody? <laughs> what time is it? Good Christ! We need to get out of here. All right. That is uh, episode 2.0. I'm Dan. I'm Josh. We still need a name. You can hit us up on our podcast. Uh, we Facebook, Twitter, full name for me. I don't know what your Twitter Twitter handle is. I just type in Dan, and you don't even know yourself. You got to look it up. <laughs> I know part of it. I just want to make sure I don't give People it. People are going to put a D in my name and get it wrong anyway, so that's that's all right. It's at Dan Saunders one zero four. Okay, you can hit us up there. Find us on Facebook. If since if you're not Twitter followers or Facebook friends, I don't know how you've heard of this podcast. So the chances are you've got a connection to one of us. True. If if you think of a, a name for our podcast, we'd love to hear about it. So depending on what happens, maybe we'll be back next week. Maybe we'll have a name. Who knows? But we appreciate you listening, and that's all there is to it. Talk to you next week. Later. Later.